God, dig that. Now, ladies and gentlemen, repeat after me. Sabrina's Dirty Deeds. <laughs> yeah. Oh, hello, Sab. Well, hello, Jamie Burnett. I have missed you. I know. It's been a long and lonesome Christmas break. I know. Not really, but I have missed you too. I missed you a lot. We sent a couple of texts over yes, the break, but good to see you in the flesh. Mm. Hey, exciting news. Got some mates on board with us uh, today for this episode. Our mates down at DeSatco Mulch, direct from the farm to you. Head to the website for stockists and details about them. Yeah, they're actually um, a really good family-run business. So they're local farmers in Western Australia and... Uh, we like to support our farmers, but their mulch is awesome stuff. Good stuff. Yeah. So it's lupin mulch um, and it's all sustainably farmed and you put it on about four centimetres thick and it keeps all the moisture in the soil. Beauty. So all the little fungi and bacteria that you want in your soil, not the bad fungi. No, the good stuff. Yeah, yeah. Gets to grow and make your little plants grow. There you go. Check them out. Um, Good to have them on board uh, this episode and for the next few as well. Yep. Uh, So I have missed you. It has been a while. Has been indeed. There's been, um, it's been pretty horrendous in the eastern states. A bit easier here for us. So uh, we want to encourage all the gardeners to keep on gardening. Yeah. Get out there. Enjoy it. Absolutely. And, you know, in in the absence of us not podcasting, there's been heaps of people contacting us, though. There's been a few, hasn't there? We're going to get to a few of those questions later. Absolutely. Got a big list, big Mm. folder. A big folder. Manila folder, full. (laughs) For all sorts of topics. Oh, really? Not just gardening? Not just gardening. Well, We've been getting those other dirty deed ones again, haven't we? We told you, stop. (laughs) It's not that kind of podcast. We're not that dirty. We're soil dirty. We're a good dirt. Yeah, the good dirt. The right dirt. <laughs> no, we'll get to a few of those. That'll we be will. fun. We We're going to um, yeah, get around to a few questions for yep. this episode and yep. uh, over the next few definitely as well. So keep them coming in. Uh, just hit us up on the socials and uh, mm. ask us what you need to. You can head to your website for that too. Personal problems. We could have a crack at those. Jeremy. Yeah, I've had a few of those lately. Let me tell you. No? Yeah, a few personal problems. <laughs> Not with my wife or family or anything no, like that. No, no. I had a really awkward experience at the uh, the chiropractor this week. Oh, did you? That's my kind of personal oh, problem. <laughs> Maybe you could help me out with some advice. <laughs> so I went and it was the first time I'd been there. Yeah. And I came straight from work. So I was in okay. my, my work, work kind of gear. suit gear. Yeah. And forgot to bring a pair of uh, little shorts to slip on. You That's know. a shame because you know if you go to a Cairo or a physio with back or bum or whatever, they're going to ask you to drop your DAC. Which he did. So <laughs> shorts off, you know, sh- not shorts, uh, you know, shoes off, pants off. Yeah. Which is okay. Yeah. But his assistant was in the room. Ah. who was a young lady in her 20s. Yes. And that's okay too. Like, yeah, you know, absolutely. this is a professional mm-hmm. environment. Mm-hmm. Except mm-hmm. as I was taking my strides off, I looked down and I realised I was wearing my worst pair of undies. <laughs> <laughs> they, were, they were so saggy. The back of them, the back of them was super thin. Ah, uh, you could read a newspaper through them. Yeah, you could see my little bottom just through there. So I was instantly felt so awkward about things. And I felt so awkward about it that, well, she was, I was on all fours and I had one leg in the air and she was, she was just pulling my leg as a stretch and yes. I could feel air conditioning where I shouldn't because that's how droopy they were. And I had to stop everything and apologize. I said, I'm really, I said, can I just have a time out? I'm really sorry. I didn't, I meant to bring shorts. 
This is my worst pair of undies. I forgot what I put them on this morning. They're like, it's okay. I'm like, I feel really awkward. They're like, you're making it a bit more awkward. You're a bit tense. Yeah. Yeah. So I couldn't relax. It's a bloody train wreck. I hope you've thrown those undies out. No, I put them in the wash. Uh, you, can't throw, you can't throw out undies. You just I mean, can't. what it is about blokes. Blokes will hang on to their undies until they're more or less like a um, like a like a thong. Really. Yeah, There's not a lot I've of had jocks that are just the elastic, <laughs> <laughs> but you just can't throw them away. They're comfy, I guess. So comfy, anyway, but not great <laughs> for a trip to the Cairo. So I've got another appointment later in the week, and I'm going to buy new oh, new jocks. Buy a new pair. So if she doesn't ask me to take my my pants off, I'm going to be disappointed. <laughs> Do you think you'll go for bright Larry ones? Like you can get no, ones with cactus and chilies on them. Just no? black. No, <laughs> just pure black. But not so see-through and saggy. Yeah, just less less air miles on those. <laughs> on those. So embarrassing. Anyway, I do apologise. I felt for her. Oh, the bloke me. I didn't mind. He's seen worse. But for I her, reckon. I reckon she would have seen worse too. You reckon? Yeah. There was a bit where we were talking about work. I think he was trying to make me feel comfortable, and he said, <laughs> and relax. He, "He says, oh, you know, it's great to have a job that's interesting." Mm. And he said, "You know, uh, Tiffany, today's pretty interesting, isn't it?" <laughs> she goes, "Sure is." <laughs> I had a little wink at each other, thinking I wouldn't notice. I see everything. Yeah, I haven't seen a pair of undies from 1964 for years. <laughs> she was probably thinking. <laughs> Oh, yeah, it's no good. Anyway, oh, so that's my personal Jamie. problem. Oh. So if anyone's got some advice for me, please um, <laughs> let me know what I should do next. Anyway. Oh, uh, dear. How has the start to the year been for you in the garden? Do you have a, a bit of a – is it a time to reset and think about what you want to do uh, well, in 2020? Every, yeah, the great thing about having a Christmas break is you actually have time to walk around your garden and reassess it. So when you have a string of between 38 and 40 degree days, you know, for two weeks, you sort of look and go, hmm, I don't know if that'll recover. Perhaps it's not the best plant for that particular position. So you kind of reassess. Uh, It's a bit like throwing out the clothes in your wardrobe that you don't wear anymore. Yeah, right. Like your old jocks. My old jocks. (laughs) But um, so it's a good time to look at what you're going to do after the summer. Yeah, okay. A bit of a testing ground. Yeah, I wouldn't plant, like I wouldn't plant um, in hot weather until March. Hold off till March. Yeah. Tough though. People got time off. They want to do stuff. They're feeling like they I know. want people to make decisions. Often, people often say, when should I prune that? And I just say, when you got time. Yeah. Otherwise, you don't do it. You're never going to do it. No. Nah. No. Nah. It's like putting uh, liquid solutions, you know, you're meant to mix it in a watering can and do all that. I just take the lid off, hurl it all around the, the, the garden and then hose it in. Yeah. The water. Probably not best practice. Seems to have worked out all right. <laughs> I haven't lost anything doing it that way. Yeah. But this year is very exciting because it's the International Year of Plant Health. Really? Yeah. So we're looking at our plants to see if they're healthy, dead or fully sick. <laughs> I don't know which one of those is good and which one of those isn't. I've lost touch. But it's actually all about um, international plant protection. Okay. So so in Australia we're lucky because we're in the middle of the ocean and there's not a lot around us really. Uh, so we've managed to have really good quarantine, which means we've been able to control pests and diseases. 
so far. But, of course, many countries in the world haven't had that because there's so much movement of people and plants and soil and all sorts of things. So some people have got their crops being wiped out with pest or diseases. So this year there's going to be a lot of focus on looking at research into why pests do what they do, how to, you know, better manage and control diseases in a more sustainable way. Okay. So it's sort of bringing us together as a, as a global solution. Right. So even though there's stuff that we don't have here, if we do get that stuff here, then we're in as much trouble as anywhere else. And Phytophthora is a classic example. So dieback, yep. spreading all across the world, just wiping out hundreds of plants and scores and scores of species. So the more we research everywhere around the world, the better we have, you know, to be able to control that. So what, it's a year where different researchers across the world will kind of pull together and go, hey, this is working for us, this isn't, share some information, but it's all about keeping plants healthy and stopping the spread of things. Yeah, so it's all about actually trying to understand the pathogen or the pest better to find out exactly how it works, what it's susceptible to, what makes the population explode. And then, you know, scientists will get together and say, well, we found in this soil type that happened. Or we found with this insect when we brought in this virus, it killed them all off. So it's really a sharing and collation of information on what we can all do to help each other. Yeah, okay. So what does that mean for me in my backyard? Well, it means that um, if we should have an outbreak of something that uh, affects, say, plants that you love to grow, like tomatoes, like we now have the potato tomato psyllid, which is knocking off all the tomatoes, which they have overseas as well. So any research they do overseas, we can actually grab that research and go, ah, so the psyllid only attacks that variety of tomatoes, so... Let's not be growing them. Yeah, okay. Mm. Let's grow something else. So how serious is that over here, the old psyllid? Well, <clears throat> I, it, well, it actually stopped the exportation of any tomato seedlings from Western Australia. Wow. So it put a lot of growers out of business. How did it get here? No one's quite sure uh, how it actually arrived. Right. And that's the same with a lot of pathogens. We don't know how they get here. It just kind of happens. Yeah. Whether it's someone going somewhere or bringing something back. and Well, anything that lays an egg. You can go bushwalking or go through a nursery or whatever. If you get something stuck on your clothing, then you bring it back in with that. If you get soil on your shoes and you walk back into Australia, you can have that. So it's pretty easy for things to... And things like the... Um, there's a thing called myrtle rust. So one of the largest group of plants in Australia are the myrtaceae. And myrtle rust is killing off the myrtaceae family. So things like bottle brushes, melaleucas, gum trees. It's having a devastating effect on them. How is it being you know, thwarted or, or stopped the spread of at the moment? Uh, Well, there's strict quarantine in WA because they're not allowed to bring any of the Myrtaceae family across unless it's been uh, fumigated. But that's the $50 million question. How do you stop it? Yeah. We don't know yet. 
So this is this year is really about prevention in a lot of ways. Yeah, I imagine. absolutely. Yeah. Rather than cure, let's find out exactly how it works. Yeah. Because we all need to eat. Need to eat stuff. Yep. And it's funny, isn't it? Because well, not funny, but how it impacts not necessarily just growers, but it can Im- impact you in your own backyard. Well, as well, definitely. Yeah. And you know, once you get a, if you get a virus or a fungus or a bacteria that rips through crops like wheat or canola or barley or oats or any of those, particularly the cereal grains, then that wipes out a huge stockpile of food. Yeah. And we can't brew beer without barley. That's a big problem. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that would uh, cause a few more issues than just a Devo. dodgy undies at the Cairo for me. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Got to make People sure that's okay. It'd be pretty full on, wouldn't it? <gasps> oh, would, exactly. Would not be so, ideal. Mm, it's what we consume. You yeah. Know. Could be gone. Could be gone. Have to live on insects. Yeah, that's not good either. No. Couldn't do I it. I can't imagine eating a cockroach. Because you know when you squash them, their smell is pretty bad. I, I can't remember the last time I squashed one. I'm getting mm. good at, you know, picking them up and throwing them away. Right. Yeah. No, you're better off squashing them. Why? Well, Makes a mess. Fun. Nah. Gross. <laughs> can't deal with it. I don't pick them up with my hands or anything. I haven't got to that level. Oh, you big sooky sooky lala. Bit of paper. <laughs> Throw it down. Something like a little towel or something. Try and get it into a cup. I just can't do it. No? No. Ah. Not a fan. Anything with an exoskeleton is quite nice to to sort of crush. Yeah. It has that sound There is. It. You're just brutal. <laughs> Have you been that brutal around here in summer? You're saying you're looking at the stuff that's, mm. you know, a good oh, time yeah, to say I what's am. not surviving. Yeah. I'm all for a quick death is a good death yep. kind of girl. Mm. Yeah. That's my that's my plan. What, what copped a quick death here in summer? <laughs> Well, there's a few trees that didn't survive the 42-degree heat. Yeah. Well, small ones. They were seedling. They yeah. went. I just ripped them out. They're gone? Yep. They sent a message to the rest of the others. Yep, you better perform right. or... The other thing is if I've got stuff, it just, you know, it's not the right thing in the right place. I dig it up and move it. Yep. Uh, I give. I usually give plants like one or two chances. If they don't survive, that's it. Don't try again. Well, that's generous. Mm. Yeah. yeah, two chances. I think it's very generous. Yeah. That could be two chances in the same day, though. You know, that's <laughs> not doing well in the morning, right. and by the afternoon, that's there right. you go. Walk past it in the morning, yep. not looking good. Walk past it in the afternoon, you're gone. Yeah. Because then that gives you space to go and buy another plant that you've always wanted. Well, that's. I was wondering that with you. Have you have you made some space? And you know, I know you said maybe yep. don't put new stuff in until March, but yep. have you got your eye on anything? Uh, well, I've got them in pots as we speak. Really? So, yeah, because I've got lots of little native plants and I bought some caper berry bushes down from the Pilbara. What's that? So, you know, capers, you have it with fish Love or them. chicken. Yeah. Can't get enough of them. I, and I, they're delicious. Little they're delicious. pearls of salty deliciousness. I know. Yeah. And in Europe, you see them growing out of rock wall, limestone walls with no water, no soil. Really? Oh, it's so tough. Wow. So anyway, I've put three on the verge. I've already got a little fruit, a droop. What do they look like though? Um, just like the ones from Europe. Look exactly the same. Really? Same genus, different species. Okay. And they're tough. Oh, God, they're so tough. So good for pretty. WA. Yeah, perfect. Okay. So if you're in any drought-stricken area and you've got something you want to put in full sun and treat it really tough... 
get a caperberry bush. There you go. You cannot go wrong. Interesting. But I reckon a few people have had a few problems over the uh, Christmas break. It's been a few. Because we've had a, we've got a collection of some very interesting questions, Jamie. Well, should we dig into a few? Let's let's assess other people's problems. Let's help a few people out. Let's do that. This first one. Uh, g'day, Jamie and Sabrina. This isn't a gardening question. I'm a chiropractor, and Jamie came <laughs> to see me this week. No, I'm joking. I was going to say, Is it would have been pretty some swift. some trauma counselling in a garden that I could get to get over the look of Jamie's undies. So actually, speaking of that, do they do mm. that in gardens? Is that like a... a therapeutic, set, yeah. therapeutic yeah. counselling in gardens and yeah, things yeah, like that? Yeah, yeah, Well, that's why hospitals are putting in rooftop gardens and going all out and putting in... They call them therapeutic gardens yeah. because it improves the mental state of people. It makes you happier. Absolutely. Okay. Look, this one here from Ali, who uh, he got in touch uh, on the socials. Good on you, Ali. Uh, my dad is 80 and my mum's 77, both with sparkling personalities that match Aww. the sun that glistens off the koi pond they've had for many years. Oh, It's cute, isn't it? Cute. Ali's a poet. I think so. Imagine what he's got in store for uh, Valentine's Day coming up. Well, it might be a girl, Ali. Oh, is it Ali or Ali? I'm not sure. I don't know. We don't know. We're never gender specific on this program. Keep the mystery alive. (laughs) Now, the pond isn't big, but the fish are. Oh, the koi. Yeah. Mm. Uh, A few times, Dad has mentioned filling it in as it's getting a bit much. Uh, but I also think they enjoy the life that it brings. After your ab- episode on Habitat Gardens, that was a few weeks ago, like mm-hmm. that, uh, I wonder if we could hear hints and tips on converting a pond to a bog garden so they can still enjoy watching the wildlife go by. Absolutely. Do you think it's reasonable and a manageable option for them? Yeah, bog gardens are great. Are they? Yeah. Now, the thing about a bog garden, so they've got a koi pond, so they've already got the hole dug. Because the hardest thing about creating a bog garden is you have to dig the hole and then you have to put all the soil back in the hole that you've just dug out. Oh, gee whiz. I know. You need some mates for that. Counterproductive, really. So, what, you take it out? Yeah, so you take all the soil out and then you line it with a dam liner. Okay. They may not need to do that. And then you put a small pond, like a water holding pond, like a little one, at one end of the bog pond. So they call it a bog pond because it's lined. So the rainwater in winter doesn't go straight through or summer whenever you get your rain. Yeah. So it keeps that soil moist. Okay. So that's what a bog is. And then you have frogs that like bogs because many frogs are burrowing frogs. So they like to get in there. They like to get in there. But they need water to lay their eggs that hatch into tadpoles that become more frogs. Right. So bog gardens are actually very easy to manage. The big thing is is planting it out with some sedges and rushes that suck up the moisture and provide frogs with safety from things like kookaburras and magpies and butcher birds. They like them, do they? Ah, oh, it's a tasty little morsel. A little treat, isn't it? Oh, a little frog on the end of your beak. That's, that's like me when I get home and before dinner I think, oh, I might just sneak in a peanut butter sandwich here. <laughs> that's... But do you eat your dinner, Jamie? Yeah, of course. Oh, that's yeah, all right. That's there. the Nothing problem. wrong with that. Two dinner Jamie, they call me. <laughs> <laughs> well, if your first dinner is only a peanut butter sandwich, you're pretty easy to look after, I reckon. Yeah, just so, a little treat. 
So line it if it's not if it's not waterproof. So line it with dam liner, which is just thick plastic. Yeah. Fill it in with soil. Yeah. Put bog plants in, so they're plants that will take winter inundation. The lowest point of your bog pond is where you put the water pond, the small water um, container yeah. for your little froggies. Put aquatic plants in those, so plants that love living in water. You'll get dragonflies, you'll get birds, you'll get lizards, you'll get frogs. Any tips on a few of those varieties? Um, you need to go to a nursery that actually sells aquatic plants. Oh, okay, so it's pretty specific. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and you may need to get either tadpoles. Um, so in, not sure about the other states, but in WA we have what's called the Tadpole Exchange Program. I'm sorry. <laughs> Is this where really smart tadpoles go to study <laughs> They're like at the some sick. other pond? <laughs> They're like and their the, parents get really worried about them, but they think, oh, it's, it's good because they're going to experience other cultures. And it's... Well, they're, they're, they're good with handing over hostages. Like yeah. they have little trunch coats. <laughs> now what happens is there's a fungal disease that kills and affects frogs and it's on their skin. So if you put a, a healthy frog and you exchange it for a... For a frog that's got the virus, because they're in the water, oh. the healthy frogs get it as well. Yeah. So they have this tadpole exchange program where they where they scan, the, make sure the frogs are not diseased, so that that fungus doesn't spread through the greater frog population. Jeez, tough gig being a frog. <laughs> got this bloody fungal disease you can get, and then you've got birds trying to knock yeah, you off. Yeah, yeah. I had a in my bog pond. I had um, crinias and they go, <coughs> that's the noise make. Excuse me. Just like that. Yeah. And um, I was standing, hanging, washing on the line and a bloody kookaburra came down, picked up one of my crinias, who I knew personally, yeah. called Ralph. Dave. Oh, it was Ralph, Ralph. that one. Sorry, Dave's okay. <laughs> went back on the clothesline. So I said, drop that frog, you mongrel. And the, bag, the kookaburra just dropped it straight out of its mouth. Really? Yep. As soon as I said that. I think I have magic powers, I'm not sure. Yeah, Dr. Doolittle over here. So I dropped the frog. The frog hopped off and went back in the pond. Really? Yeah. That's amazing. The uh, kookaburra probably came back the next day and ate it. Yeah, just waited until you were gone. (laughs) Kookaburras, uh, are they, do they, everyone feels like they love them because of the noise, but are they a bit of a Uh, nuisance? Well, they predate on all the little birds. They're pretty brutal, aren't they? Yep. So they'll go into the nests of all the smaller birds and actually eat the little fledglings. Really? So they just completely take over? Yeah, they're a very dominant bird. Yeah, okay. So we didn't have them in Western Australia until 19... I can't remember if it was 28 or 1938. Really? The blue-winged kookaburra, kookaburra arrived. Yeah. and No wonder they're always up. laughing. They're like, exactly. How good's this? <laughs> Top of the tree. Get that, crinia. Yeah. Mm. Boom. Okay. Hard to control. All right. So essentially for Ali or Ali here, yes. uh, yeah. it's, not gonna, it's a pretty manageable option. Absolutely. And it'd be great fun. The other parts of this question is, uh, are there any recommendations on how we could research safe ways to sell or rehouse the mature koi as part of this dismantling process? If you put mature koi on gum tree, if you wanted to get rid of them, because you won't be able to put the koi back in the frog pond. So um, you could, you know, people love large koi and they pay 
a pricely sum. Oh, so a few bucks in the yeah, pocket. Yeah, yep. So I'd do that. And then they'll go to a home where they're really wanted not to be spread on toast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently you can't eat them. They're disgusting. No, I wouldn't have thought no. so. That's like when I um, got rid of my rose bushes, yeah. just put them on gum tree. Yeah. Had like 40,000 people yep. call me in three minutes. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Anything that you want to give away, there'll be a million people there. People love it. Um, oh, just Ali goes on to say here that it's good timing. Dad had a little stroke on Boxing Day. Oh. Sorry to hear about that. So I think our work on his pond will be a bit of a relief. It's brought many smiles over the years. The fascinated grandkids, but the time is right. Yeah. Good no, stuff. Be a great project. Yeah, get into it. Heaps of fun. Yeah, I like that. Hey, um, let's get to this one from Jill. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sabrina. In one of your chats, you mentioned phenol. Yep, phenol. 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 Mm. Learning as a deterrent to rats. Uh, Is it used neat? If not, what's the ratio to dilute? That's from Jill. Okay, Jill. So phenol is what they call bin cleaner now. So it's what you put in your bin to get rid of the smell. Now, when I was just a tacker back in the... Back in the early days. Just a just a few days ago. It's a little tacker. Yeah. I lived in a country area where they still had the dunny can man who came and <laughs> whipped out. How this long is a ago true were story. you born? This is in a small, isolated country town in New South Wales. Okay? How did you live through that? So they and that's why you see all the laneways in um, in cities, oh in some God. of the city streets, because they used to have to change the dunny pans. Who so was they, doing that job? Someone, hopefully, that was paid an awful lot of money. Oh, I bet he wasn't paid enough. <laughs> <laughs> it's horrible. Well, the two guys that did ours, they were really lovely. Were they? I don't think they had girlfriends. Though. I wouldn't have thought so. <laughs> I was a fish filleter for a year and that smell oh, alone kept oh. Nat away from me. Yeah, yeah. Imagine yeah. if that was my job. No chance. Yeah. Well, they wore overalls. Yeah, there's no amount of overall that could keep me away from that. That is... Sorry, but anyway. in, in those days, so it was like a like a tin can, but the inside <laughs> they used to bitumize it, so it had bitumen in it. Okay, and then they clean it when they put the bitumen in. It was cleaned with phenyl, so they took one out and put a clean one back in its place. Have a lid? No, no. So you could had, see. Yeah. Oh. God. You had a seat, like a wooden seat. Honestly. That's where the whole, you know, you get bitten by the redback, which my brother did twice on the toilet. On the seat. bum? Yeah, on the bum. That's not good. No, but you build up a resistancy after a few redback bites. <laughs> I wouldn't have survived. I'm, I'm lucky I was born when I did. Honestly. Anyway, that's where phenol used to be used. Okay. However, now they don't call it the dummy can crapper cleaner. No. It's actually called... Um, the Sulo Bin Cleaner. Right. Much more hygienic name. Okay. So, now the thing about phenol is its smell has to be stronger than what your dunny can was, okay? So, it's a very strong smelling product. Yep. If you mix it with kerosene and paint either the top of your, <laughs> the top of your fence line or wooden planks you put on... You know how rats have a run? Yeah, they like love they it. have the freeway up and down your fence line. Yeah. They actually hate the smell of the phenol. And the kerosene makes the wood absorb the phenol. And oh, they don't okay. like it. Right. So that'll keep them away. Yeah. There's many ways of killing rats. But 
don't use rat bait because when the raptors come down to eat the slow internally bleeding rat and they eat the rat then it kills the the predatory birds circle of life circle of life think about those birdies but if you want to mix bacon fat with plaster of paris and put it on cardboard and the rats eat it you're onto a winner that just forms a solid block in their little gut. Okay. So there you go, Jill. So she can get some caro in there with it. Yep. What a, Carol and phenol. Any so, ratio there? Um, so you'd only need to do one third caro, two thirds phenol. Okay. Paint, paint the top of your fence. Beauty. All right. Good on you, Jill. Good. And if you you know want to go back to a long drop toilet, you know what you've got a cleaner right there and then. Honestly, Jamie. cannot believe it. <laughs> cannot believe it. Oh. <sighs> Deep breath. Uh, Mark is from has given us a uh, he's flicked us an email. Good on you, Mark. Your address is on your website, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Just go head to there. yep. Go to www. All the woo 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 woo. Sabrina Don't say them anymore. Au. Oh, you, we don't. No, nah, you just go that's straight with the school. name. Yeah, oh. that's old school. Okay, Sabrina Au. I like it. Mm. Uh, it. Says what it is on the can. That email address. Um, <laughs> that website. Hi, Sabrina. I live in Kalgoorlie and I have a keen interest in bush tucker. I'm looking at cultivating Kwandong in particular, mm. uh, currently gathering different ideas, how to germinate seeds, and was wondering uh, if you can help me out and share some knowledge. Of course you can, Mark. Absolutely. Now, Kwandongs are a tasty little nut. So yep. the outside of – so they're related to the sandalwood. Right. So there's Indian sandalwood and there's Australian sandalwood, mm-hmm. which was grown extensively all through Kalgoorlie in actual fact. Really? Back in the early gold mining days. What, did they just plant a whole bunch there? Well, they grow naturally oh, they there. they grow naturally there. And then they built little mini railway bridges because they cut it and then send it to send it overseas to India. It was yeah, worth right. a Fortune. Gee whiz. But now the thing about a Kwandong is it's semi-parasitic. So it sends its roots to another tree roots and goes, thank you very much. I'll have that bit of lunch. Such a cutthroat world. Oh, plants. Isn't I it? Yeah, they're devious. Yeah, everyone thinks it's this beautiful thing. Mm, it's There's some brutality behind the beauty. The blood on blood. Yeah. It's... That's a good line, wasn't it? Do you like that? <laughs> brutality <laughs> behind the beauty. No, I Just made it up then. You're a genius. I know. I don't know why I haven't been picked up before. Oh, no, it's crazy For your genius. Probably because the jocks you wear, I'd say. Put them off. Might, might have something to your do Your brain's with. not there. Put your pants back on. <laughs> what are you doing? Sometimes your brain is there. That's yeah, the problem. that's right. Yeah. Um, so with the Kwangdong, now what people do is they pick up the nuts that are on the ground. Yeah, the ones that drop. Yeah, don't do that because why? they're invariably diseased. They, they're very susceptible to a fungal disease or we like to eat them, but so do insects. So if they bore into the nut and they eat the ovary, you're not going to get any nuts. Nothing's going to happen, is it? Nope, they'll no. be nutterless. Yes. So, so now, kwangdongs are a f- little bit fickle. So there is a, a long and involved pathway. Mm-hmm. So if you want to go the long involved pathway... What you have to do is collect seed from where you see a whole lot of kwangdongs together. If there's only one, an individual plant, you're not going to get a strong enough gene pool and they'll be very weak and they probably won't even germinate. So so you want you want a hustle of kwangdongs and then so that you can pick from various 
individuals okay. within the hustle. Yeah. Um, then you've got to be really careful what you sew them in, the sewing medium. Okay. So you go to the shop and you buy a thing called vermiculite, which is very light um, mineral. looks like little corn flakes. Mm. Then you've got to make sure it's sterile. So you soak the vermiculite in rainwater, drain it, put it on a baking tray, whack it in an oven on 180 degrees for 45 minutes and then when it's still warm, you put it in Ziploc bags. Okay. You're going to germinate your kwangdong in this. Right. So it's like cooking up a storm. It's a bit of work, isn't it? Oh, we haven't finished yet, Jamie. Oh, God. Then, to get the seed, you either have the seed or you have the kernel inside the seed. If you're going to just germinate the seed, it's going to say, take two to three months for that to germinate. Gee whiz. If you crack the seed and get the little kernel out, then it only takes two to three weeks. Hello. But it's tricky cracking the nut without damaging the kernel. Oh, <laughs> so you've got crafty to get a, little a vice. You get a vice. Yeah. Um, and then there's, um, you'll see a little sort of, it's called a, um, a microfile is the little tail. Yeah. So you stick that in a vice until it just cracks because that's where the water goes into the nut. Then you can split open the nut and get to the kernel. Mm. Then you've got the kernel. Then you have to put the kernel in a mixture of bleach and water, one part bleach, nine parts water, shake it up, leave that in there for a couple of days, dry it. Then you put it, then you put it in the vermiculite that you've just done, and you put it so it's got to be uh, between eighteen and twenty degrees. Of course, it does for for a few weeks, and then if you put in say thirty kernels, you'll probably get four that germinate. Oh, after all of that, however, that a is... wonderful lady in Perth, when it couldn't be stuffed doing all that, yeah. had a big bag of kwangdongs that she'd collected. Um, she How many are we a, talking? Uh, about 40. 40. She had a, a cement pathway that she thought, oh, I don't know what to do there, so I'll build, a, uh, build up a garden bed. Decided that didn't work. Didn't, so got the kwangdongs, just threw them on the – she had all leaf litter from she-oaks and stuff. Threw the whole pile in there, then went, oh, I wonder what happens here. It's a bit like an oven. Then put wet newspaper – more mulch and a little bit of compost and completely forgot about them. Right. Three months later, every single one had germinated. Really? What a hit rate. So don't bother with everything else I just told just you. Just do that. Just shove them on a cement, warm cement spot <laughs> and cover it with mulch and away you go. How good's that? I know. She's a clever girl. Yeah. Mm. That's the way to do it. All right. There you go, Mark. I know. It's long and involved, isn't it? Oh, it is. And remember, they need a host. So when you plant them out, you've got to put them in with something they're going to share the root system of. Right, okay. Mm. They need a mate. They need a mate. All right, let's um, let's squeeze one more in, I reckon. Let's do. This is from Vanessa, who's in, uh, in Guildford mm-hmm. in WA. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've had a magnificent golden shower, <laughs> Vanessa. Oh. Please. Uh, tree. It, it, it. Golden, yeah, I paused at the wrong moment. Golden <laughs> shower tree. Sorry, Vanessa. You knew that's what I was going to do. Anyway. Yes. I have a magnificent golden shower tree. It's at least 15 years old. Uh, In the last three or four years, the blooms are covered in tiny black insects. They look like black aphids or perhaps even like the black stickies you get on poultry. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, the stick stick fast fleas on your chooks. Yeah. 
Uh, the tree's healthy, but the critters don't do anything for the visual beauty. I'm sure they don't. I'm currently trying to manage this infestation with a mix of water, metho, and detergent. Any suggestions would be a great help. Well, the first suggestion would be not to use metho detergent water. Why not? That would be my very, very prime first suggestion. Not a good idea? Uh, well, you, well, you wouldn't be spraying metho on a plant. Now... They would be, they're a type of aphid and the the visual beauty is ruined because they they secrete honeydew and all their poo and wee all out the same hole, just... Out, out it comes. comes. Yep. If you stand under the, uh, a golden shower yeah. tree, um, it won't be present if it's got those little... Aphids on yeah, it. right. So, um, so don't don't do uh, don't do the metho trick. No, no. It's like saying if you've got you know cut steel wire brush and metho will get rid of any infection. Yeah, right. Don't do that either. Okay. So you can use now. You need a high pressure hose. Yeah. Favorite tool ever. Other than the shoddy. Yeah. Other. Than, <laughs> that's right. And the hatchet. Um, and some eco oil or eco neem. Okay. Which, so you're going to high pressure hose the tree first, then you're going to spray it with the eco oil or the eco neem. Then you're going to leave it for two weeks and then you high pressure hose it again. And then you can do the oil and the neem. But you can't use that when temperatures are above 34 degrees. Okay, so that might be a bit of a problem. But get a ladder and make sure you get the high pressure hose all over the foliage. Okay. Works a treat. Bit of work on that one. Yeah, and All don't right. stand under it. Don't stand under it. Not a good idea. <laughs> no. Uh, sorry for the golden shower joke. Uh, <laughs> thank you for that, <laughs> Vanessa. Hey, that's good. So if you've got a question, um, we're going to get to them every week. So we get will. in touch. You can leave a comment on your uh, Facebook or Instagram mm. page when mm. we put our posts up. You can jump to your website where, as yeah. well and, uh, and flick you an email with a question as well. And we'll give you in-depth answers. We will. Like we did today. And we will take those life questions as well. Oh, I, I'm dying for those. Yeah. Like, uh, you know. We're here to help. That'll, that'll be a cracker. Won't it? Be fun. Hey, um, so good to see you, Sab. So good as well um, to have our mates along for the first time as well. The yeah. Satco Mulch. Uh, make your garden grow. Just head to their website. You can find it in Google. Jump online, uh, www. I said it. The Satco, D-S-A-T-C-O.com. Go check it out. Well, we'll play next week, hey? Yeah, looking forward to it. Be fun. Not under a golden shower tree. No, we won't. Promise that won't happen. And we're going to have one of your mates along as well. Oh, yeah. 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 We're going to talk survival. Survival. Not drinking urine. There you go. Certainly not your own. Don't need to know any more. (laughs) Look forward to it. It's so good to see you. Catch you next week. Okay, bye.